Oh, get the door! Hold on a second. Who's at pizza. the door? It's pizza! pizza. <laughs> I hope it's pizza because I'm feeling a little hungry. I hope you hungry. bought pizza for everybody, Mark. Yes. Yeah. Don't leave me out, Ruben. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to mute you guys for a second. <laughs> Why would he mute us? <laughs> Make sure you tip! Just take the headphones off. <laughs> oh, man. I hope yeah, he hears this. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 32 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra, I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I am joined by Aaron Vay in Whitby, Ontario. How's it going? And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? I'm also joined by Mark Rubin in San Jose, California. Hey everybody. So, it might have been in the immediately prior episode where I said, hey, wouldn't it be great if there was a diff, kind of like you would mm-hmm. see in, in Git or Subversion, that showed you exactly what had changed in the App Store review guidelines. And it okay. turns out there actually is a website that does this, this very thing. <laughs> wow. In a blog post kind of format. So you can see on March 12th, 2015, you can see the new things that went into uh, for Research Kit, as well as some mm. other things that were in there that I don't think were quite trumpeted as much. Mm-hmm. Like um, media content, for example, is now 162 kilobits or lower rather than 64, and no word for lower. So you can just kind of look at that over time and see how like extensions came in, Apple Pay came in. I have not looked to see precisely how far back this goes, but still pretty nifty. Let me preface this all by saying that today saw the launch of a new app from Flexibits, the guys that make Fantastical. And uh, I have been a user of Fantastical since its launch, really. It, have you guys used it? Are you familiar? No, I was gonna, just going to ask you, what is Fantastical? Okay, so... Is, is there something in the way you're saying that? In that, is it the way I'm well, saying it that cow, tells you what it perhaps? is? Perhaps cow, 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 cow. Yes, and fantastic cow. And fantastic cow, when it was first launched, was a widget that sat in your menu bar to give you quick access to your calendar, and uh, it included right. a a natural language text field that would allow you to quickly create events using natural language. So I would be able to say. Uh, doctor's appointment next Thursday at 2 p.m. I type okay. that in and mm-hmm. it would grab all the relevant details from that sentence and create the event at 2 p.m. on Thursday hmm. and the event would be titled doctor's appointment. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm speaking of this all in the past tense, but this is of course still working beautifully in on my Mac right now. Hmm. Um, so that's, you know, it's very simple. It's very beautiful, really great design. Fantastical has been a resident of my menu bar since its launch and it's also come out with an ios version you can get it for iphone and separately for ipad i have them all because i'm a sucker for this beautiful calendar and it's funny because i'm not a huge calendar user which is weird but right there it is now a couple years later fast forward to today and flexibits has launched fantastical 2 and this is a full-blown calendar app not only have they improved the widget I'm talking about the Mac here specifically, yeah. but they've included a full-blown replacement for Apple's calendar app. And it's beautiful, fully functional, well-integrated. If you are a calendar user of any stripe, this is the calendar app that you've been waiting for. It's really terrific. There have been tons of reviews, and this is sort of where we're getting to the point of this um, article by Joe Splinsky, is there has been a 
barrage of press about it in the Mac web today. So oh, really? Yeah. Have you been on the web today? I haven't actually, no, but I want to ask you <laughs> a couple of questions. So, because, yeah, of course. Because I, I am, I've gone back to using Calendar app, which used to be called iCal. Yeah. Uh, but I stopped using it for a while. I think it was in, uh, not Mavericks, maybe it was Mavericks. Um, they took away the ability to snooze alarms. So I switched over to BusyCal for mm, a while. Yes. And yes. and then when, when they f- fixed iCal, I came back to it, but in recently just removed busy cal but so this but this new fantastic cal you like do you use the calendar app at all is it is it like a suitable replacement or you think it's a better replacement okay well to back up and state our terms here uh fantastic cal one the original one was not was not i know know it was a widget yeah yeah not intended as a calendar replacement but the current fantastic cal 2 is Mm -hmm. having said that uh i never used apple's calendar app Right. Okay. Yep. I used I used the Fantastical widget. Now the, the the key point here is that Fantastical uses the same data store as Apple's calendar widget, right? Uh, so okay. yeah, okay. it's all like under the hood, it's all using the same yeah, event kit, yeah. It, yep. Yeah, exactly. So with with all that under its belt, uh, you can use them interchangeably, of course, and that's what makes it so incredibly powerful. Anybody could write a, a client to event kit. Uh, mm-hmm. few people will do so with the finesse of Flexibits. So what we have here is a widget, which for me, for all this time, has been more than good enough because all I do is set events because I've got something that I don't want to forget in the next day or two or a week or whatever. And then it reminds me because I set a reminder and, and then I get a reminder from the notification center and I can hush it if I like for an hour or 24 hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it just works great. It's very simple. lives in your menu bar. Done. I love it. It's great. So... The point I'm coming to with Flexibits or uh, with Fantastical 2 is that it's a full-blown calendar app, which I'm actually not that interested in. While it looks great, um, and it's priced uh, very – here, I'm scratching my head. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm coming up with an adjective. Give me a second here. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Frugally? No, Reasonably? it's expensive. Oh. It's very expensive. <laughs> oh, okay. All right? So, not frugally. No, anti-frugal. So, <laughs> Extravagantly? Oh, good. Thank you, Mark. No, I don't want to. I don't want to tie any negative connotations to this because, uh, as independent developers, we definitely want to support the edition version of the calendar. Exactly. Mm. We want to support sustainable pricing for apps for software because this is how okay. we make our living. Yeah. And I think if you are someone who who is a heavy calendar user, the forty dollars right now that they're charging for this uh, piece of software is fair and fine. Uh, sure. It'll it'll yeah. go up to fifty dollars after the introductory period. Okay. However, in my case, it's way more than I need in a calendar app. And okay. I tweeted today that I'm 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 hopeful that they will introduce a uh, Fantastic L two light uh, for something less than forty or fifty dollars, which mm-hmm. includes just the widget. Give me the give me the modern look and feel in that widget, and I'm happy. I don't need any more functionality. It, it works great for me already. So hmm. anyway. Um, it says volume here, pricing available. Maybe we can uh, have a, get together a deal and for our, pod, our listeners for, of our podcast. Yeah, if they would sponsor us, they yeah. could be a good yeah. idea. Maybe, maybe. Well, you get on that, Tim, and let me know well, how it yeah. turns so, out. So I haven't read Joe's article, but I listen to Joe a lot on release notes, and I know that Joe is one of the proponents of people charging what they should charge for apps as opposed to racing to the bottom. Yes. Um, and so... I don't, you know, being being somebody who buys software on a regular basis through the App Store and, and not the Mac App Store, I mean, um, 
I, I don't see it. If I really wanted to find a better calendar pro- product, I, don't, I don't, can't see not spend. I, I don't think $40 is, is too much to ask for a decent app. You know, not with any $4 apps. Yeah. Before I looked at the price, when you said it was expensive, I was expecting you know two hundred bucks or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but I don't think forty is so bad. Yeah, I, I I sort of want to back away from this a bit because okay, sure. I was I was having trouble coming up with an adjective in my defense, and I I don't want to come up. <laughs> I don't want to come up and sound like um, actually you know what I'm even talking about here has nothing to do with the price. Right. <laughs> um, but I was simply making a side point that uh, I would like a lesser app. For less money, yeah, you want to, yeah, you want a, a, a more frugal version of it that you could that doesn't have all the bells and whistles, for instance, that you could then use yeah. some I, of the same functionality, right? I need neither the bells nor the whistles, but that is completely beside the point. Mm-hmm. What this article is about, what Joseph Plinsky has written about, and what what is reflecting what I observed today was the smashing success that Flexibits had in getting the word out about their app on launch day. All right, so. When, with the introduction of, of Fantastic Hal 2 today, mm-hmm. they, they were very successful in getting every m- Apple-oriented news outlet to uh, write a review and tweet about it all to hell, okay? Okay. So they had terrific coverage on the web today. There was nobody who pays any attention to this stuff uh, who wasn't doing a presentation today, Tim, that didn't know about Fantastic L2's launch today. I was going to say Mark and I didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I don't know. You guys weren't online today, so <laughs> Mark doesn't live, go on Twitter. But everybody who pays attention to these things knows about Fantastic L. So. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think for for anyone who's an independent developer and in the business of, of selling apps that they write, they would have to be very keenly aware of how successful they are and wonder why that is. And Joseph Plinsky, who is very business oriented, business minded mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of the app business is writing this column here to explain why that is, which we're all keenly listening to. Okay, Joe, tell us what's going on here. Why is it? And although it's about the quality of the software, that's good. Yeah. Everybody needs to have a good quality piece of software, but what it's really about is Michael Simmons, the, one half of Flexibits, mm-hmm. being an inveterate marketer. That's basically everything it comes down to. Michael Simmons is the man at marketing, it turns out. Sure, yeah, yeah. So he talks to people, he chats up people about the app, he gets the word out there about the app, he takes feedback about the app, he uses that feedback in iterations of his app, and mm-hmm. In so doing and in being out there and being so aggressive about making people aware of the app, he builds his audience one person at a time. Sure, yeah. One loyal customer at a time. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that's, that's true, you know, uh, listening to, the, to him talk about that. And I don't know Michael Simmons at all. You know, I've, I don't even think I've heard him speak or, you know, seen him at conferences or things like that. But um he clearly has a following of very loyal customers, and I guess I'm one of those customers. Mm-hmm. But, but Michael's ability to get out there and put the word out um, makes a huge difference, especially when it comes to launch times like this. Well, definitely. We talked about that on the show before, and, and I'm of the opinion that you have to put as much effort into marketing as you do development to make any kind of run at any product that you're going to put out there. Because, I mean, you know, as we've discussed thousand times before the gold rush is over over many years ago and the only way to get something out is to to 
even if it's something like the More Than Just Code podcast, you have to tweet about it, you have to write about it, you have to get people to retweet about it and get the word out. Otherwise, and otherwise, nobody even knows it's there, right? So, of course. And that's the same thing. With, same thing's true with with your uh, with your with an app that you're building. You have to you have to put and the, and uh, I have to look up her name, but uh, there was a lady speaking at uh, NS North last year who basically said the first two weeks before your app launches or before it gets released is the most important time for marketing your app because you really got that short little window to get it out there. And kudos to to um, Mr. Simmons here who managed to get that done. Right, so. In a lot of ways, he's riding on the success of his earlier efforts, of course. Of course, yeah. You know, sure. like I think with the media in particular, that helps a lot by having, you know, I'm the guy that made that freaking awesome calendar app that you're all using right now. Michael Simmons, he rides on the success of the of these existing versions of the app that everybody's using already knows and, and accepts and understands and uh, are big fans of, you know, and, and rightfully so. It's quality software. So uh, having that, as your sort of calling card when you're contacting people in future to promote your new version of the app is made dramatically easier, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, he's got a lot going for him and uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not just marketing, you know, it's obviously marketing and, you know, good quality software, which mm -hmm. I think makes a lot of difference. Like, do you agree? Like, I, I guess what I'm struggling with is how can someone who is, just an indie developer, like a one-person developer, suddenly become a marketer. That's that's <laughs> the thing that that I struggle with because, you know, what I want to segue into in in this this sort of discussion is the fact that I'm about to launch an app, and I'm not sure. I think it's more than two weeks away, given the way things are going right now. But mm -hmm. um, it's called Magpie, and it allows you to save videos to watch later. Basically, it's a streamlined way of doing that. Right. I've built it for the Mac and iOS so that you can have the same collection of videos that you've saved and you can pretty much save and watch them on any platform, whatever device you've got in your hand. And it's supposed to be really simple, really easy to use, nice looking. It syncs your play position between Mac and iOS. Uh, so it's supposed to be seamless across all your platforms. Mm -hmm. So I've got this app and building it for all the platforms at the same time has been sort of slowing me down, but I'm at the point now where all versions are pretty stable and I'm thinking about launching pretty soon. I'm actually working on the website part. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we get to the question of, okay, marketing. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so in the past, I've, I've shipped software before and I've gone through this sort of game, if you want to call it that, sure. of preparing a press package and emailing various uh, review sites, yeah. editors, um, even people I've met in person at various conferences and stuff mm -hmm. and gotten very, uh, tepid responses, shall we say. Okay. So I hope that there's an intrinsic value to what my new app does, that it will garner some interest, mm -hmm. but you can't just invent it. You know, there's, it's, it's kind of hard to come up with an approach to marketing when, the most of my focus is just on, you know, taking the few hours that I have right. to work on actually improving my app rather than marketing it. And that's where a, a keen observer would probably note that I'm doomed, right? So how does one market an app 
when they're not a marketing person. Well, this is this is what I was talking about before, and the the name of the woman that I was trying to remember her name is I remembered her first name is Parissa Foster, and she's oh yeah yeah, yeah sure. she's a marketer, and so she did a talk at NS North about the ninety nine things you need to do to market your app before you get out there, and a couple of her key points were that you know. Uh, 50% of the people who find your app is going to be through word of mouth. So you sort of have, that's why that's kind of sort of why you have to do the, the buzz. And mind you, this was her speech was given last year. And I think, you know, in the last year, everybody's realized that the app store search mechanism is completely flawed and Apple keeps breaking it rather than improving it. But, um, you know, like her, like it comes down to you sort of have to do a little bit of homework and get a marketing plan together. Do, are you, do you have a lynda.com account by any chance, Aaron? No, I don't. Well, Lynda.com, it's like costs like $25 US a month. And yeah, I know. And you can go in and learn all kinds of stuff. In fact, you can even get a trial. And I know there are there are tons of uh, Marketing 101 um, sessions there as well, you know, um, which kind of sort of give you an, give you a sort of leg up on how to use social networking. I think you already know how to use social networking because I see you on Twitter all the time talking about stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, it's like using podcasts like this one to talk about your app. It's... Um, getting your friends to talk about it, jumping on Facebook and promoting it, you know, having a, like you, like building a website, like you said, you've done already, right. To get the app out there. I'm working on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and uh, I mean, like I have a little WordPress template theme that I bought from somebody and, and to just, you know, it's got some screenshots of my, or some product, you know, nice glossy shots of some of the iPhones running my app. And, you know, got a little video that I had somebody make on Fiverr, which, you know, it's so, so do you want me to rattle off the 99 things that she said? Well, I hope that there's like a <laughs> – I hope there's – I top, have them here. I have bullet points. Maybe there's a BuzzFeed article of the top 10 items from the 99 items list. <laughs> well, here it is. is it have a marketing plan. Build a great app. Find, it, find a niche specialized in that niche or rare market. Pick a platform. Build in hooks for repeat engagement. Push notification and alerts. Tell a friend. Encourage gifting. Integrate social features. Uh, make it available worldwide, localize it, uh, include new technologies, uh, prompt happy users for reviews, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Add a rate button in the home screen, let unhappy users know how to get in touch, uh, cross-promote and cross-promote with other devs, and join a free cross-promote network. Those are the first 18. Okay. <laughs> so, it's a lot of work, obviously. Um yeah. So yeah, it takes. Oh, that, then that just all takes time to. to number ninety nine is be lucky. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm out of luck on that one. Then host a launch party, speak at events, do a oh, live, do goodness. a live demo, maybe maybe do a video of, of your app in use. You know, who knows? Yeah, app, I'm actually working on that. Have a free app app update. Um, let's see. TV shows, TV commercials, those are in your budget, right? Oh, totally. Um, totally. SMS campaign, that's also in your budget. Radio ads, print ads. Ah, uh, yeah. Social, social network ads. Celebrity endorsements. We'll get Dr. Mark Rubin to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> we should get his buddy Tim to talk about it. <laughs> well, friend of the show, Tim Cook, yeah. should mm-hmm. definitely talk up my app. Definitely. Let me, let me ask something here. Sure. One of the things that keeps coming up is the notion of a very brief window, like you said, two weeks, yeah. to, to promote your app because other, other than that two weeks, you're toast. Yeah. I don't want to believe that's true. Well, yeah, I, neither do I. Um, do, you, do you know about PR Mac as well? Do you know those tools? I'm sorry? PR oh, Mac? 
Yeah, I've heard of PR Mac. Yeah, yeah, PR Mac is like I think it's like twenty bucks, and you go in there and and they give you the a form to fill out on how to write a press release, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they'll even write it for you if you want to throw them a couple extra bones, and yeah. um, or you can you know, get a get a. I, had, I know a couple of writers who could write a press release for you as well, right? And they'll do it for beer, pretty much. Um, and um, yeah, so you, so you do a press release on there, and that goes out to like you know all the magazines out there within your sort of your your uh, niche. So I've done a couple of press releases, some of my, of some of my apps and, you know, it, I, one of my apps actually ended up on um, uh, one of the aggregate sites, uh, maxsurfer.com yeah. on, on release day because some, because it got picked up and, and, and that day I got, you know, a whole lot of people looking at my little measly app. Right. And it was just an interesting exercise to go through. Right. And then um, the other thing too, is you can also contact Apple Canada and see if they'll, they'll feature your app. You know, you can always, reach out. I can give you some uh, contacts after the show um, on, you know, some email addresses. You can try and just sort of get some, put some feelers out, tell them you're, you know, they might, they may take a shining to you and, you know, cause they like Canadian stuff. They like people using new, new technologies that are in Apple stuff and makes their product look good. Yeah. Yeah. These are all, these are all things that I would do if, if I was launching something myself. Right. So, um, what yeah, else? there's like a, a thousand things or more than 99, I would guess. That... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there, and there's a couple of, I mean, I've read a couple of books. Um, Made to Stick is a good book that I can think of. Another one is called Contagious, which is written by the guy who did the research for the, as an intern for Made to Stick. And these, these are books that talk about how things get successful and how things, you know, how they create buzz and how people find out about them. Like one, one instance is one of the best hot dog stores in in New York city doesn't even advertise and it doesn't even have a sign on the front of the door. You go into this, this bar and there's like a side door that takes you into this hot dog place. And apparently people in New York know about it, but nobody talks about it kind of thing, you know, and it's apparently hugely successful for some strange reason. And all they sell is hot dogs. We would routinely do a PR Mac press release every time. Those, you know, sometimes were better than others. It depended on, uh, on the particular, um, you know, type of app and, and the market we're going for, but but you do get the name out quite a bit with those, so so it's good for that. Uh, we actually spend a lot of time just you know elbow grease contacting bloggers and websites and and submitting demos to you know to to uh, mm -hmm. all the different app sites um, and had some good success with that. Uh, the best success we ever had uh, in, in that regard was was uh i might have told the story before when we hit, when we did the look again app uh we right. actually did a lot of pre-release talking to people including uh you know some of the the, the larger uh gaming oriented app sites uh and did some demos at macworld you know a month or two before the app actually came out and mm -hmm. got some got some good press out of that uh so when the app actually launched it, it got a lot of attraction right at the beginning so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it just comes down to <laughs> tell everyone you can think of, uh, yeah. and and just and don't be shy and flood the market with with anything you can think of to get the word out. Because yeah, you never exactly. know what's going to hit in any given situation. Right. Yeah. Right. It sort of reminds me of you know marketing is a profession, right? I'm totally, oh definitely yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. And so imagine this an opposite situation where a marketer comes to you and says. Hey, listen, I've got this great idea. I could totally market this thing, but I don't know how to write an iOS app. Can you just teach me how to write an iOS app so I can get out there and do that? And it's <laughs> it's sort of analogous to what we're doing here, right? Yeah. It's like we're we're developers. You know, we know how to do that part. But yeah. 
this whole profession of marketing is completely beyond us, right? And so it's something that we kind of have to hack at and and sort of, you know, push a little while here and there, but we're never going to be professionals at it. Well, no, I mean, but that's the point, though. If you if you do listen to release notes, and I think you do, right? Um, there, one of the things they're always saying is that if you're you, if you're building a product out there, um, you're not a developer anymore. You're a business person, and you're running a business. So you you have to you have to sort of get behind your your product and promote it, right? So that's yeah. the reality, right? So well, it, it's it's a reality in a certain way because you have to wear your T-shirt, as Guy Kawasaki would say. Actually, Guy Kawasaki is coming out with a new book called The Art of the Start Two, which you probably should pick up. Yeah. See, help. now I've I've just been in this last 10 minutes been given about four books to read and <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah. and 99 things to try. And yeah. mm-hmm. uh you know like none of that stuff just happens in a snap. I've got to, you know, spend No, hours. of course. Yeah. But the point I was making is that um this isn't like a business, right? Because you know, I have a day job and so what what is happening with Magpie is is strictly an evenings and weekends sort of sure. affair, yeah. right? Yeah. And so there's only so many hours in the day. I know. So take your time um, and do it right. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's the idea. Okay. So like, well, I guess what you guys are saying is stop development and start marketing. Well, I think you have to be, you have to be, um, you have to be sort of thinking with both hats at the same time. Yeah. So you do have to take that, you know, one, one day a week, you take off the developer hat and put the marketing hat on, you know, and, and do the research, figure out, figure out what it is you need to do, get your plan together, your marketing plan. Um, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to approach the market? You know, what, what bloggers you're going to contact? I mean, even like even asking us, cause both of us have, have gone through this and done, done, uh, releases on our own and with, with clients in tow, um, you know, ask us what we've done or ask us what conferences we went to or, you know, and ask around, I mean, ask the guys over at Taco and, you know, reach out to those guys and see how they ask, um, Mark, uh, Pelvitas and those guys, how they, how they got the word out about their app and stand, ended up standing up on the, the podium getting an ADA, right? Mm-hmm. You know, some there must have been some marketing behind that, right? Yeah, they had a lot of um, investment and they used celebrities. Oh, did they? Yeah. <laughs> well, you never know. So, yes, I do. I, I, I know a video broadcasting celebrity, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yes, I'm sure you do. There you go. So, you know, you throw your magpie app at him and say, hey, what do you think of this? And, you know. There you go. There's another another door just opened up for you, buddy. All right. Hi, well, where are we, you? If he's not here, then we, we should probably go ahead and talk about Facebook without him. Insert sad face here. <laughs> Why the face, Heron? Well, without Jaime, is, is anything happy? Is happiness even possible? I don't know. I don't know. So why don't you why don't you tell us um, about what's going on in Mike Swanson's life or not happening in Mike Swanson's life? Man, there's, there's getting Sherlocked, and then there's getting... Totally. Facebooked? Facebooked. Yes, I like that. Let's let's say that one. <laughs> oh my good lord. Poor Mike Swanson. Okay. So today Facebook had its big F8 conference keynote and mm-hmm. Mike Zuckerberg took the stage and made a number of announcements that uh, we aren't too concerned about, frankly, because it's Facebook. We don't have a lot of respect for them. And well, by can, we I can, mean me, editorial we Yeah, uh, can can you can you illuminate those of us who haven't seen the keynote yet? Some of the highlights. Were there any highlights? Or uh, I'm not a hundred percent comfortable covering this, but I I guess I can throw some keywords out there. Okay. New messaging platform, injection of uh, an app store that you shouldn't be able to do, uh, a payment platform, a way to get people's credit cards so that they can send money to each other using Facebook. Hmm. They've got uh, they're now in like a news publishing platform. 
So they're taking content syndicated from other editorial concerns, such as the New York Times even, and mm. publishing it on Facebook, which is ridiculous if you're New York Times. But there it is. Um, and Facebook, you know, just being crazy Facebook. Now, Instagram is owned by Facebook. Yes, it and is. And so... We have an interesting problem that happened today. Uh, Instagram launched a new app called Layout. Okay. Layout is an app that creates photo collages from the photos in your Instagram account. Mm -hmm. So you can pull these photos together and create larger compositions that are composed of these these photos. And it's called Layout, and it's available in the App Store, and everybody's happy. Except for Mike Swanson. Poor Mike Swanson three years ago now, released an app called Layout. And what it does is let you combine multiple photos into a single image. Mm -hmm. In 2012, it was named an App Store Best of the Year app. It's got the same name, Layout. Hmm. And it does the same thing. So three years ago, this successful app came out. Then Instagram comes along and copies it even to the name. Functionality is the same, name is the same. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, my friends, is a dirtbag move. Just throwing it out there. And uh, so Mike Swanson has written a blog post describing exactly what happened and you know, explaining that he's not really happy with this. Uh, he's, he's, he can't do anything about it because he doesn't have the wherewithal to sue someone like Facebook. Um, he didn't trademark the name layout because he, you know, relied on people being decent humans mm -hmm. and that turned out not to be very smart. Um, but more to the point, he's getting a lot of confused emails from users, people who went to the app store looking to download layout by Instagram and, and only getting his layout and going, what the heck? This is an Instagram and this isn't my Instagram account. And so they're emailing him going, so what's going on? And I'm sure that people at Instagram are getting emails because they're using this other guy's layout. So there's a lot of confusion. I, I just, I'm, I'm, my mind is boggled why Instagram would have done this. So if you go to the app store and do a search for layout, right, you're going to end up with, you may end up with the one you didn't expect. Oh, yeah. But that's, that does sound uh, kind of clone-handed or... That's the word I'm, I can't find the adjective, Aaron. It's yeah. dirty. That's what it is. It's dirty. <laughs> now, you might remember a couple of years ago, another app uh, by a company called 53 called Paper, which is an yeah. app that allows you to draw, make, create artwork. Uh, yeah. Very well-regarded app, very successful app. And Facebook, a couple years later, came out with an app called Paper. Same name. But unlike in this case, it actually doesn't do the same thing. Paper by Facebook is some kind of social stream app that does Facebook things. I don't even give a crap, but mm -hmm. it doesn't do the same thing as papers by 53. So, um, bad obviously, but not as bad as this. This one's, this seems like a really, really poor judgment call on the part of Instagram. And I hope that I, I have a hard time imagining them backing away from a name that they go to market with like this. Um, right, but right. they really ought to. Yeah, it is. It is kind of strange. I just you're right. I just Google or sorry, I just uh, app stored. I don't know what the adjective is for that. Uh, <laughs> it's called muddling through a crappy search engine. Yeah, I just I just <laughs> went into this and I, and I came up and, and layout from Instagram is the number one hit, 
and layout uh, layout itself photo and video is like the fifth one down the road there so isn't it funny you know you you do that search and um you've got things like that there it is it's like the eighth search result you type layout in and you get 480 results mm -hmm. and two apps that are called layout are far apart in the search results their search engine is so broken Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure it's ranking somehow by revenue or something like that, right? You must have something like that, yeah. Yeah, but they're free. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, layout's not. It's two ninety nine. No, 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 no. I mean, like, all the apps in between. Yes. Yeah. No, they're get. Yeah, they're all gets. Yeah. Like home, home Design 3D, which doesn't have the word layout in it. Well, this one called PickStitch looks like a clone of, of uh, layout, like if you look at it, right? Like if you look in, in the screenshots, got it. And the second one, Instapix, is, it looks like another clone as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But I mean, that's you know, that's the thing. I mean, like if you open an ice cream shop in the real world, you can't really complain that other people open an ice cream shop. There should be something about the name. Yes, space. there should be something about the name. The namespace should be something that that's honored. I mean, for instance, if if somebody went out there and put out an app called Oprah, you know, Apple would immediately say you can't, you know, speak from experience. They would immediately say you can't do that, you know. Did you put out an app a, called Oprah? Sorry? Did you put out an app called Oprah? No, but I, I know somebody <laughs> tried to use Oprah as a keyword. But, oh, I see. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Apple just sort of said you can't do that. Or actually, I think it said, uh, said that on their, their requirements doc at one point. But, like, you know, similar things like, you, you know, you can't use Sudoku in Japan because the guy who owns the rights to Sudoku is going to get upset, you know? Mm. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, well, yeah, they don't have a legal leg to stand on in this case, you know. Um, Mike Swanson did not trademark the name layout, and it's, right. it's a generic word anyway, right? Yeah. So, like, I don't know if you could trademark it. But, but that's the kind of thing Facebook would 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 um, trademark, didn't they? What was the word they trend? They tried to um, they've uh, tried to uh, trademark name words before that are just plain English words, right? Well, I know many people have tried yeah. uh, to some success or other, not necessarily always, but it's just it's just. I hate to say that it reinforces your other app store theory. Yes, it kind of does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's dirt baggy. Yeah, it's kind of similar to what Zynga was doing a few years back, if you remember that, right? They were they would uh, just take a take a game or an app that existed and someone had had success with, and just pretty much clone copy it, it and yeah. clone it. I mean, they they changed the name at least, but mm -hmm. actually, I don't know if that's any better or, or worse, you know, than than keeping the name. I don't know. Yeah, large companies, their power and leverage to crush smaller companies and or individuals in this case that um, really really gets my uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My, my dander up. Yeah. Yeah. How amazing is the app? Right? Screenshots even yeah. even look yeah. kind of similar. That's the amazing thing. Yeah. 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 Between between the layout and, and layout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not exactly the same. But. Well, but if you look at, like I said, if you look at layout and pick stitch, the screenshots are identical. They're like, yeah. it's, I mean, mind you, how many, how many metaphors can you use for laying up this image, this beside this one and that one beside that one? And, you know, right. Right. Like even, even how Aaron described it with a big image and two smaller ones and, you know, yeah. Anywho. All right. Well, I think, uh, are, I can say they stole that from me. I used that in an app, uh, three years ago. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and the Relive Photos app, we had the same concept. That's of, true. Yeah, you had that. Having this yeah. thing with the with the large one and two small ones next to it. Yep. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I yep. suppose Flipbook, Flipbook's been doing the same thing for a while too, right? So what are you going to do? Yeah. Not much. I mean, it's, it is kind of like getting Sherlocked in a way, right? Because I think the... The marketing muscle of, of Instagram's version is going to probably relegate your app to a lot fewer sales at, at the end of the day, you know? Um, and mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. certain when certain apps get Sherlocked by Apple, or historically when they have, um, if, if Apple has only done it like in a, in a slight way, then the original app can live on because it's much more specialized often. You know, think of, um, you know, Safari's reading list feature in Instagram, or Instapaper, sorry. Um, Mm-hmm. So that app can have a chance to continue because, and it maybe even thrive more because Apple is bringing that functionality to a larger group of people. But I think it's really clear in this case that that Instagram's entering of the market is not going to be additive to Mike Swanson's uh, revenues. That's for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Reductive. <laughs> you know, it's. I think it's a bad move by uh, Instagram because. You know, as uh, Mike Swanson points out, if they tried submitting as just layout, they would get the warning that says, hey, this is already taken. And so they did that just, the you know, by Instagram or for Instagram or something as a as a talent yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a generic name to begin with. Why didn't they name it something a little bit more unique, kind of like Hyperlapse does, right? Mm-hmm. Could have been layout gram or something. I mean, they could have come up with something. Um on the flip side, uh, to be fair, like the layout app that Mike Swanson had was also kind of generically named as well. Mm-hmm, and we saw mm-hmm. the same sort of thing happen with paper by 53 and Facebook paper and some other paper that the paper by 53 app was also kind of, uh, you know, using that same name. Mm. So I don't think it's, a, it's not a good so- situation, but I think if you're like an indie dev, um, Trying to come up with something unique would definitely be in your favor because I don't think you're going to have the pockets to take on an Instagram. Indeed, indeed. I'm sort of fearful that some big company is going to come out with a video saving app called Magpie. Um, <laughs> that would be that would ruin my day. <laughs> well, did you already you already grab the name though, right? Uh, well, I've got the URL. You know, what do you mean by grab the in, name? In iTunes Connect, you have to you have to go in and try and get the name. Yeah. Um, Hmm. You know what I've done? Okay, I'm, our I'm listeners actually... just went and registered the name yeah. we're talking about. <laughs> Here, let me it'll get be, me. It'll be available for iTunes a small Connect. fee. <laughs> there is an app already called Magpie. Let me say that. Is there yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, there is. There is. It's true. Nothing um, to do with video. But, uh, no, nothing to do with video. <laughs> and it's been it lying fallow for years. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've got to come up with like a an, you know different sort of wording on it. shiny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll call it Aaron's Va- Aaron Vay's Magpie. I don't think that's a good no? name. <laughs> Magpie by Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I I have a code like uh, I called it Video Grabber in the early days, and so that's how it is. And even the bundle ID is com dot innovative dot video grabber. Sure, yeah. And uh, so because I didn't know what to call it until much much later. Yeah. How about so Flappy Magpie? Just, <laughs> I can't get my video through these pipes. <laughs> you know, actually, you know, there's a yeah. metaphor. In 
Exactly. So you don't have to worry about getting through your pipes. You can save them for later. Can I? Uh, I can't use the actual name of the OS in the name of my app, right? Like, I can't say Magpie for iOS. Oh, I don't know. I think That's you can't. Yeah. Cannot, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I've got, like, a Mac and an iOS version, right? So, oh, okay. So I just call it Magpie Video? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Magpie Mobile for the iTunes. iOS version? There are all, by the way, there are all kinds. There are all kinds of apps called a VLC for iOS. There's Microsoft Office for iOS. There's wallpapers for iOS eight. I think you can do it, Aaron. All right, I'm you doing call it. it. You doing can call it, it Mac Pie. No, no, no we're all not right. going there. Right. This thing all is right. done. Um, Magpie. Let's try saving it and see what it says. Saved. Okay, so let me go to the. the um, that, that worked. Let me go to the Mac version. And so you're going to put a call to our listeners for uh, beta testers to get the word out? Well, okay. So I've done beta testing for it. Uh, I've, I've collected a, a very small group of beta testers of whom very few did anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's been difficult because, you know, on the iOS side, now I should point out, this is a CloudKit-based app. Oh, no. It's doomed. So all, <laughs> 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 no man, using the latest technology, brah. So <laughs> it's cool. All right. Um, and um, the thing is, is that like it works best when you've got the Mac version and the iOS version together, and they're syncing together. But because of the way CloudKit works and the way TestFlight Beta works, um, you can't get both of them working side by each, as mm-hmm. it were. So it's been very difficult to test. So um, I've, I've had to rely on just a few testers uh, because there just haven't been many people interested in testing it. And even those who expressed an interest actually didn't bother using it. So I, that's why I think sometimes my app is totally doomed because mm-hmm. you know even, even my beta testers don't use the damn thing. Although it should be noted that I use the heck out of it every well, day. There you go. Which to me is all that matters because if, if nobody else cares about it, at least I still do. I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So to heck with you, to heck with you and your opinions. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I'll start with the slightly, I don't know if this is a more controversial one or not, but it's a post by uh, Telerik's uh, Developer Network blog. Mm-hmm. And it's a opinion piece by Burke Holland. I forget what he is. He's like a developer and evangelist or some web developer okay. living in Nashville, Tennessee. So that kind of gives you mm-hmm. an idea of where sure. they're coming from. Nashville. It literally. <laughs> <laughs> I see where you're coming from. Um, but the gist of this post is, you know, the Apple Watch could cause a cross-platform crisis if you are a cross-platform developer. And by cross-platform, mm-hmm. I think in this case, we don't mean that you have, you know, built an Android app and you've built an iPhone app, uh, you know, natively, oh, but no. more you're using something like, uh, Cord- uh, Apache Cordova, you know, PhoneGap or uh, Telerik, for example, to use JavaScript and HTML, all these wonderful web technologies okay, right. yep. Yep. to create apps that just kind of are recompiled and built for the, the different app stores. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really hard problem to solve for the Apple Watch because it doesn't interact in any way, shape or form like these tools are used to, right? Right. It's, um, you know, the interaction between the watch and the the iPhone app is different. The uh, even just creating the UI. Normally, these things have a way to create a UI. Well, guess what? It's all storyboard based for WatchKit. So at least at this time, mm-hmm. 
So that's something that they're, you know, is a bit of a challenge for them because the, the tools have to catch up. And kind of my take on this is that there's, there's always going to be this trade-off, right? If you use these kind of cross-platform, uh, com you know, compilation build tools that, that try to get you something, you know, almost for nothing, um, because it really isn't nothing there. There's, there's a, there's a trade-off in that the tools will always be behind, um, with the latest and greatest is, right? If you're using Telerik, you're probably not going to have a WatchKit app on day one. And that's after WatchKit having been out, you know, for several months now in, in at least preview form. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that probably needs to be part of your sort of like business decision on, you know, are we going native? Are we not going native? And what trade-offs are we making? Okay, 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 okay. Hmm. Hang on a second. Let's back up. Let me get this straight. You want to build a cross-platform app that will work on the Apple Watch and all the other non-Apple watches. Is that but not right? using Xcode? But not clearly not using Xcode. But okay, wait a second. Now, when you're making a cross-platform app for iPhone, you're presumably using the same assets and code to make it work on Android. Does is the same analog at work with the watch and like the Android watch equivalent thing? Mm. Because they're not the same, you know. Yeah, no, no. Like you build something for a watch, the Apple Watch. It's, it doesn't have an analog on any other. Platform. I don't think that's necessarily what they're saying. I think what they're saying is there are there are people out there, uh, a lot of people actually, uh, who don't use the native SDK really at all. Uh, right. They use they use stuff like Cordova, which is a JavaScript wrapper on top of of the SDK, and right. they do all the development in JavaScript. And Cordova also has a wrapper for Android and a wrapper for other things, so you can write it's it's the whole write once and and run everywhere kind of philosophy. Yeah. So ah. yeah, and I, I tend to personally agree with you, but a lot of people are doing that. And there's also people using Unity as well, doing the same thing, you know, with games and stuff like that, writing, right. using the Unity engine to basically develop the game and then, and then it jumps onto Android or, or, um, right. iOS as you eloquently put it. I can't do that. But anyway. <laughs> so, so now they're faced with this. They, they'd like to, they have a, an iOS app or, or rather I should say an iPhone app also happens to run on Android or whatever. And they'd like that iPhone app to work with the Apple watch. And now yeah. they can't because the the framework that they're using doesn't support it. Oh, so the idea is that they can continue using the same tools they're used to, right? And get something on the watch, right? right. You know, still get out of do anything but work with the Apple yeah. SDK. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. Thank you. That's not a crisis. It's an opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really depends, right? So, like, if you come from the the viewpoint that it sure would be nice to write once and use everywhere, um, which for quite a long period of time with the web, that's that's kind of what we had, right? Before mm -hmm, yeah. mobile platforms really took yeah. off, and we went back so to sort native. of had that, it, unless you wanted to use a browser other than uh, Internet Explorer for a while, it wasn't so great. But ooh, <laughs> yeah, you know, but whatever. <laughs> You laugh, but I'm crying inside because I <laughs> yeah, I, I still do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's true. And there's um, quite a bit of, of work going on in this area. Obviously, Telerik has its own uh, solution, but there's also um, 
if you've ever heard of React JS, you know, a whole JavaScript language platform framework. There's those Facebook creates, guys again. What is I mean, up so with that, them? that's to create, you know, sort of web UIs in the way that like Angular JS and a couple other JavaScript frameworks do. But there's also React Native, which is, you know, basically that next logical step there. Just like, oh, if I'm writing JavaScript to create UIs, why can't I create JavaScript to create UIs for mobile platforms? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that, that generates, I believe it generates um, native components. I don't remember if it does it. Like, yeah, that's the whole idea. Like, but it does something. Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to, I guess, compile on the fly. You know, the way they showed those demos is that as you're, as you're changing the code, it's updating the UI. Mm-hmm. It makes me think that there's like some kind of middle runtime that is on the fly translating your JavaScript into native code and then refreshing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a big fat engine sitting inside of your app. Mm-hmm. It, it, it puts chills yeah. in my spine. I'd, I'd rather Apple did this than Facebook, but there it is. Yeah, I don't know about that one, but I do know about Cordova. The way Cordova works is you, you write a plugin in Objective-C and the JavaScript gets compiled and calls Objective-C calls under the hood, and those mm-hmm. calls get converted to regular library elements mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or methods. So it's... Sort of like a bridge. Yeah. Yeah, bridge? Kind of, yeah. yeah. So we all agree that um, cross-platform crisis, not so much. <laughs> it, it would be difficult to call so it a bad. crisis. It would be more yeah. like, wow, <laughs> it's a really inconvenient thing to have these new wearables coming out if you have heavily invested in a cross-platform solution. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I... I well, and it definitely, is, it definitely is a... We're back to a proprietary uh, system because you're now talking about a device that only works... That tethers only with iPhones or iOS devices, right? So, interesting. Right. Yes, and it's totally meant to be that way. Though. So, let's, let's, let's do a... a a recap here. How are we all feeling about the Apple Watch itself and developing the Watch Kit now that we're a couple of weeks in after seeing the pricing and stuff? Okay, well, I I don't think my feelings have changed since we talked about it mm-hmm. last week. Uh, I'm so I'm still fairly bullish on the watch, and I think that it's going to do very mm-hmm. well. I am I remain leery about the pricing yeah. of it, uh, but not. Not because of Apple per se, but mostly because of the Canadian dollar. I think it'll do fine in the U.S., but I, I suspect that they're going to move more slowly in Canada and other countries where the uh, the U.S. dollar has really performed well against their national currencies uh, lately. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to. It. I'm still ex- I'm excited about it. Not going to lie to you, I've got those you know those paper cutouts that we yeah. talked about. Still on my desk. Peter Frampton posters no, or whatever? they're lying on my desk. They're taking up, they're taking up real estate yeah. on my desk. And uh, I look down at them every day, and I think, ah, oh, I can't wait until that one's yeah. real. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the uh, April 10th when you can go into the store, book sure. an appointment, and, and try the things on and, and play with them. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So what do you that. think, Jaime? What do you think about the watch these days? You know, I'm pretty excited about it because yeah. um, there's been a lot of enthusiasm for it. And I, I know there was one article, and I don't have it handy, that kind of came out with a negative bent that, oh, Apple Watch might be a hard sell because, like, 65% of people polled, you know, weren't interested in, in buying. It's like, well, wait, doesn't that mean that, you know, a third of people polled were interested in buying something that is more expensive than every one of its competitors? Right. And nobody's right. actually tried out yet, as we just talked about. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yeah, it's great numbers. I think there's yeah great for a brand new product category. That's uh, that's fantastic. I don't think you can mm. give away yep. you know free cars with that sort of enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine, Mark? I'm excited about it too. Uh, I, I think it's going to do really well. Well, I must be really tired. I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm still sort of in a lukewarm sort of position about it. Um, but I, the reason I ask is because I heard I've heard a few podcasts this week talking about it as well, and, and hearing people's different positions on it. Um, I mean, uh, Daniel Jalkett is in the same mind as I am that thinking the lower low end watch is going to be a suitable start because you don't know, don't know where it's going to go in future, right? Um, and I'm not looking forward to buying a watch every year if they're, if they're going to be priced like that. So, anywho, uh, I don't have any any other compelling ideas for watch apps other than the the one we talked about with the pillbox last week. Um. <laughs> still, is still very compelling, um, and I think even keeping brainstorming in that yeah. direction, I think will yield many useful apps. Well, I was thinking today, like because because I think uh, Joe and uh, Joe Shiplinski and um, uh, Charles Perry were talking about. Uh, on re- release notes, I think it was last week's episode actually, um, about um, what kind of app you're going to build for the watch, and, and there's a lot of things that people are talking about. Because I've got you know four or five apps that are still floating around on the app store, and and you know wrestling with do I have any sort of way of extending those apps, you know, other than repeating some of the some of the stuff that's in the app itself. I can't really think of anything at the top of my head, right? So, you know, other than notifications and glances, and I think we get those right away, don't we? Went, uh... But, you know, like, think, think instead that I think having the thing on your wrist in a part of your life is going to give you the ideas that you may not that's have. That's true. And, and, and I think that's, that's uh, as I said last week, I was writing a speech for my Toastmasters. I didn't give the speech last week. I got too busy, but I'm, I'm going to give it on Monday. And it's basically a five-minute speech. And, it, and, it's, and I'm basically explaining to the people in the audience who are not techies, right, why I think they're going to end up buying an Apple Watch, whether it's this first iteration or at some point in the future, because, you know, they all have cell phones now. And, and 10 years ago, they would have said, they would have been saying, I'm never going to have a cell phone. What do I need one of those for? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Now I had this a similar conversation with my parents yeah. this weekend. Uh, so funny. You know, they, they knew about the watch. Yeah. They, they listened to me talk about yeah. what it does for several yeah. minutes. And then my dad, who has an iPhone in his pocket and an iPad yeah. in his lap, he says, "Sounds like a toy. It's a toy, right?" <laughs> Why no, does anyone want a camera? You're gonna, phone? you're gonna have one. <laughs> Holy crap! You've got everything from Apple. Exactly. <laughs> you think you're not gonna want this? Exactly. Well, I, yeah, so, it, it's gonna be interesting to see what and when it actually hit, when the rubber hits the road. I think that's what it's really gonna matter. I mean, because like I said, I, I remember distinctly going to driving down or flying down to San Francisco, and I, we knew that we, that Steve Jobs was gonna announce a, a phone, right? And thinking. Why are they bringing out a phone? And all I was thinking about was making calls and taking messages, right? And, yeah. and you know, in the yeah. last week, I was having this conversation with a client today. In the last week, I've made three phone calls on my, on my phone, but I'm on my phone constantly. You know, it's not a phone. It just happens to be called that. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's the bait and switch again. We talked about that last <laughs> I think it's an switch. important point for you to make, though, in that presentation, in that these are – and I've seen quite a few different – blog posts and, and even podcasts get really hung up on the idea of like, it's a smartwatch. It's a smartwatch. It's like, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. The, the watch part is just like the phone part and smartphone. It's not a phone at all. 
right? right it is a right. mobile computer that happens mm. to be able to do phone calls, <laughs> just like the smartwatches are, you know, wearable computers yeah, or, yeah. or you know, accessories that happen to tell the time. Right. Yeah, That's not, if, if you're thinking like, well, it's $350 for, you know, being able to tell time. It's like, well, I could just go and get a Timex watch from Walmart for $15, do the same thing. Yeah, I'm sure you could probably does it better. Um, I could get a, a cheap little Nokia, uh, dumb phone feature phone that does a way better no, job dumb phone's than right. my iPhone does in terms of being a phone, dumb but phone. it can't do all these other things. No, you're right. You're right. And when I think about it, you know, I, I regularly drop like $800 on an iPad, you know, just because it's got a, you know, eight, eight chip in it or whatever, uh, or touch ID or something. Um, there's no compelling reason, you know, beyond having a faster, better, stronger device to keep upgrading them. Right. So, and the same thing with my Macs, you know, I'm, I'm running a relatively new MacBook air and, and why do I spend that money? And, and it's funny because part of the, part of the speech I'm talking about and, and, um, is, is, is used in by Simon Simic in the, um, start with why, uh, Ted talk about how a lot of these decisions are made by your, your, um, your limbic brain, which doesn't have capacity for language. You buy an Apple watch because we buy them because we're developers and we want to be first to market. We want to be the first ones to experience and start building, you know, our thought process around it. We can't rationalize it because that's not that part of our brain can't, doesn't have language. So we can't really, you know, even though we're talking about it right now, we can't explain why we want to do this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That was a cool video. I watched yeah, that last it week. It is cool. I, I, I tell people to watch that one all the time. I, I watched a bunch of other ones by him. They're, he's actually pretty got some pretty cool, uh, pretty, pretty cool talks. Um, okay, so I guess we'll do picks. Totally. All right, so um, Aaron, do you have a pick? I do. Uh, this week was the launch of a new book about Steve Jobs. Oh. It was called Becoming Steve Ooh. Jobs. Uh, becomingstevejobs.com is the URL for it, and it'll be in the show notes, I hope. So uh, when after Steve Jobs passed away, uh, Walter Isaacson, who is the official biographer of Steve Jobs, published his right. book by the name Steve Jobs, and it wasn't that great, and a lot of people have spoken about why that is. Uh, people assume that Isaacson's portrayal of Steve Jobs was, you know, as kind of a, a dick, really. <laughs> um, but, you know, he was a much more complex character, uh, but that's not really the focus of what's wrong with Isaacson's book. Uh, it was more along the lines of the fact that Isaacson was not comfortable with, nor really understood the technological side of Steve Jobs' mm-hmm. life, you know, the the he he gets the business, he gets the relationships, uh, but he he doesn't he doesn't get the Mac. He doesn't understand what it's oh, for. Okay. I, I I think he would be useless if a Mac were placed in front of him. Uh, it just comes through in so many ways in his writing. There are you know some inaccuracies mm. in that book, and um, he's just not someone. He's not an insider. You don't get the feeling he's right, an insider. Right. So. A lot of people, myself included, were really dissatisfied with the Isaacson biography, and uh, it doesn't really tell a great story. Uh, you know, on the whole, it was not a very interesting book. <laughs> you know, simple as that. Now, uh, becoming Steve Jobs, uh, you know, just released this week, um, was written by Brent Schlender, uh, along with oh gosh, Rick Tetzel, Tetzelli. Sorry, uh, these are people who have written about Steve Jobs over the course of the last 25 mm-hmm. years and uh, lots of interviews know him quite well. 
and approached Apple and a lot of people that are in Steve, were in Steve Jobs' life to get permission to uh, interview him and or interview them and put together a new sort of history about Steve mm-hmm. Jobs, the one that sort of is, is more, more balanced, definitely gets it, um, and tells the story in a way that sort of illuminates what makes Steve Jobs, or what made him, rather, the incredibly successful executive that he mm-hmm. became. Um, you know, because the Isaacson biography would essentially have it that he was just a supreme dick who would just get his way no matter what the cost. Mm. And it just happened that his taste was good. Whereas uh, this book, Becoming Steve Jobs, um, uses the lens of his time uh, exiled from Apple at Next, where he was for some 12 years before returning to the company, all the lessons that he learned during that time away, and painting him as a much more subtle character uh, with many different Mm -hmm. sides. And now I've only gotten about, I don't know, 100 pages into the book right now. And already I can tell you that it's a much more interesting narrative than Isaacson's. And so I've got a lot of great hopes for this. Uh, having read other people's reviews of this book, um, it's it's very, very good. And so if you have any interest in Steve Jobs' life, uh, check this book out. It's in the iBook store or in Amazon, or you can get it anywhere, basically. Cool. So go for I it. Did, I, did, uh, I mentioned before that I read uh, the book by Ed Catmull, who was the other, uh, one of the three partners over at yes. Pixar. And he wrote yes. a book on uh, called Creativity Inc. Creativity and it basically, Inc. it's about yeah. management and leadership. But he talks a lot about how Pixar's run. But in the end of the book, he took he took a chapter and talked about Steve Jobs, and it was really interesting to to see somebody who worked side by side with Steve Jobs, you know, as a you know, and perhaps as an equal, perhaps as an underling in some ways. But but you know, some somebody who worked side by side, and any. I don't know. I wouldn't say necessarily defended Steve Jobs, but he gave an interesting perspective on the man, the businessman, and the person that you de- that I hadn't heard before, other than you know, like the you know, don't ride the elevator with Steve Jobs kind of thing, uh, horror <laughs> stories that you hear, right? You know, and and that's exactly. sort of the Hollywoodization of of thing. We tend to want us to hear the bad stuff about people as opposed to hearing what a wonderfully creative, supportive guy he was, which is what what Ed Catmull says in the book in the back of his book. So. That's another interesting perspective. Good. I'm a, I'm a Steve Jobs fan, so I, I like to hear, uh, you know, I'm interested in the guy's life and, and whether he was a, a dick at some point and got better or got better for it through his life experience. That's almost good to hear. Cool. Looking forward to reading that one. Thanks for that. Yeah, a lot of good buzz about that, too. Everybody seems to be talking about it and, and positively. Good. Cool. So, Jaime, do you have a pick? I do. And it is... I think one of the most useful things for my own personal needs. So <laughs> for those of you who might remember way back in episode 10, we talked we talked about an app called launcher. Right. Its whole purpose was to create a today view widget that lets you put, you know, shortcuts to apps. And, and it was more than just apps. It was able to fire off, you know, particular kinds of actions within the app, depending on what it supported. Mm-hmm. So yes, you could have the messages app in your, your launcher, uh, but you could also say, you know what, this is uh, an entry for messaging my wife, or this one's for messaging my brother, mm-hmm. and just immediately be taken in there, it'd fill in the information. Um, and we'd also talked about in that episode that it was in the App Store for all of 20 minutes before it got promptly yanked. 
and and I think we had a lot of talking and discussion about you know app store review policies and and whatnot and and what's going on like what exactly th did this person violate and we speculated that maybe it was the um something that be that could be considered the same as like springboard i think mm -hmm. i'd have to go back I, I really don't remember but in any case it's back right right yeah. that was it <laughs> so my memory is better from 22 episodes ago than, than I thought it was. Yes, you're not old and decrepit yet, Jaime. Keep on, <laughs> keep on, keep on. So up. now it's back in the App Store, and it's a wonderful app um, that I use, you know, as an extension. So um, there's a, a article here from TechCrunch that we can link to about the app's creator, Greg Gardner, and how he went through a rather laborious process to try to get this concept into the App Store. I mean, he mm -hmm. created different versions of the app that were much more narrowly focused. Like he created one that only launched music. Uh, okay, now this one only launched contacts, which was initially rejected, but then uh, after further review was allowed to stay in. And then having used that, apparently that was setting a precedent that he was able to use to do launcher again. Oh, as his case, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like, hey, like, why is this one okay and this one's not? And it seems, at least for the time being, because launcher is still in the app store, that Apple may have acquiesced on this one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know what that means for, for indie devs. I mean, if you've got an idea to do this, I wouldn't bet the farm on it because who knows, but at least for now, if people like me, I've got one, two, 12 different apps on here that are just like, you know, the most common things that I use and that I would like to use no matter where I am. It's, well, it's super helpful. Yeah, it's an interesting idea because, I, you know, I, and I, I do this all the time is, is I go looking for an app and I can't remember which folder I put it on or which screen it's on. I mean, my my iPhone screen is a disaster when it comes to trying to find things. And I tried using the folder metaphor and that doesn't work. And, I you know, so I have my apps on my home screen are the ones I go to all the time. And the rest, it's like, oh, my God, it's just this room full of app icons, right? Um, room after room after room as I swipe and looking at this thing, and and if it wasn't for the search feature, I wouldn't be able to find the apps that are on my in my uh, on my phone because I you know I usually swipe through a couple of screens and then pull down and just do a search, right? I'm the so, same way. I, I never use the uh, I never worry about how my apps are organized anymore at all. I just yeah. use the search automatically. That's the very first thing I do is just pull down the search. Yeah. So, and but then, it sounds like sounds apps. yeah. So it sounds like launcher yeah. might be if I mean, yeah. Maybe first. I should check it out. Yeah. Maybe I should. So would would launcher solve that kind of problem for those of us who are hunting and pecking? Yeah, um, I mean it won't completely because if you put every app that you have installed <laughs> in here, which I don't think it is even possible. Let's say you did that, like you're just not really solving the problem, right? And it's not just about the apps. So yes, it does have an interface um, that you can you know you use the the launcher app to configure um, you know which apps you want to have in the today widget and. Uh, what order they're in and, and so forth. Um, but it's also about the actions as well. Like, let's not forget about that, right? So, for example, uh, you could simply launch the Google Maps app, which is something that uh, I thought about. And then I thought about it again, and I said, no. Well, the most common reason I'm looking at Maps is not to see where I'm at. I really don't really care about that. It's because I want to see directions to someplace. Right, so yeah. I can set it to open up the Maps app directly in the uh, directions. And let's oh, say you... So yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So if you had like, oh, well, I always wanted to open with directions to home, right? No matter sure. where I'm at, get me home or, you know, <laughs> from the office sort of thing. Um, and you can do custom things too, right? So there's 
also uh, beyond just the, the app launcher that you can select from the, the list of apps that are displayed there. Um, mm -hmm. And in fact, it, the Chrome Labs website even has a, a way to submit apps. So if you have your own app that you want to have launched, you could uh, submit that, uh, give them the URL scheme and everything and the, the iTunes link, and they'll add that to the list at, at some point. So, um, so, so when you're config, you can, you can't add your own apps. Like, can I, if I download this app, I can add my own apps to the thing or. Oh, absolutely. Or... So for example, I mean, I, I added the offer up app because okay. I wanted to have that. I use that every day, right? As sure. I, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm in my notes, I'm writing something in Evernote, which is on my today widget here. And then I'm like, you know, I need to go in and test something and, and get a screenshot so I can put it mm -hmm. into Evernote. I, I do mm -hmm. that exactly. Right. I just go in, I know offer ups. Um, URL scheme. I even submitted it to Chromium Labs. So if they're listening by any chance, please make sure that gets added. <laughs> um, but there's also like web launchers as well. So I've, I've not yet done this, but I could have, you know, mtjc.fm on the launcher because I end up showing that to people a lot, right? As I'm talking to people in, in different community areas. And then devwithahair.com obviously should go in there as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Sounds like fun. All right, Mark, do you have a pick? You know? I do not have a pick this week, Mark unfortunately. Mark doesn't have a Sorry. pick. It's, it's funny, you know, like you say that so calmly, and yet when Jaime and, and Aaron say they have a pick, they're like, yeah, I do, as if we should be surprised somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have a pick, and it's it's kind of lame, actually, but I, I picked it because it's the kind of thing that Jaime would normally pick. Um, and what it is is called Mr. Jump. It's just a little, um, you know, sort of a... You know, uh, one of these amygdala games where you basically jump and you, you do a, a you tap to jump and you do a long tap to do a longer jump. And you're basically going from, you know, it's kind of like a Mario kind of thing. You're hopping from, from platform to platform as you advance across the screen. It's like one of these side scrollers where it's continually moving. And, you know, invariably you smash into a wall and die and that's it. You know, so you play for a quick couple of seconds and away you go. But it's an interesting concept because it's a very simple game. It's kind of, it's not... It's like they, they took a, the, the Flappy Bird concept, but came up with a new metaphor for it. And it's not, I mean, it's the same goofy sort of, you know, standing in target. Uh, not that I know what that's about, but standing in target <laughs> at the checkout line um, and wanting to, you know, and just kill some time and just, you know, just turn my brain off for a minute and hop a couple of spikes uh, over some spikes and, and smash my head into the wall. Um with the, you know, with the nice little like, sort of retro music. So it's kind of an interesting app for other developers to kind of look at as an example, similar to the Alto's Adventure mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the, even Flappy Birds, I guess, to, to sort of see how you can make a simple game without a whole lot of mechanics in it and just, you know, have something that people might like to play and get featured rather than knocking off um, Flappy Birds. So that's it, Mr. Jump. Yeah, you beat me to that one. Um, if I didn't have launcher, I probably would have had that as my pick of the week. Well, as you know, I put it on my notes saying you're trying to beat Narhemi into this one. All right. So I guess we'll wrap it up for the week. And, uh, Aaron, Vey, if people want to find you on the internet, where would they look? Well, we can go to Twitter at Aaron Vey, or you can check out my new app website, which is just a splash page for now, magpievideo.com. Cool. And Jaime, where can people find you? Twitter. Other than on the highway, on, on the side of the road in, in Seattle. So, I mean, where can people find you? <laughs> On Twitter, at DevWithTheHair and DevWithTheHair.com. Okay. And Mark, where can people find you? Mark R at Smapsoft.com. 
And as I said at the top of the show, my name is Tim Mitra. I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter and my blog, it-guy.com. And I guess that's it for a week this week, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. You can provide as little as a dollar a month. Any amount helps. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening. I didn't actually pay too much attention. I didn't pay attention to the keynote at all. It was just uh, some of the announcements that came out of it I've seen retweeted around, and so I got a sense of what they are. But mm-hmm. um, there's just so many ways that Facebook just doesn't give a crap, right? They have this. Um, one of the topic that I want to talk about tonight is about that uh, Instagram, which is Facebook's too, uh, this layout yeah. app. Um, but they also uh, this Messenger platform they've announced today includes an app store like so you can embed supposedly i guess the, the thing i'm getting from this is that you can embed content from other apps into this their new messaging platform and so they their app includes basically a, an in-app app store q other mm-hmm. app store and um you know obviously you can't do that right like that's one of apple's big rules you know I mean, you know how yeah. inst- um overcast got booted from the store got rejected because it included those links to other podcast apps well this is way worse you know um maybe maybe it's because pinterest you know with their thing that we talked about a few weeks ago yeah uh offering app cards in pinterest collections and now we've got uh we've got this instagram app that is doing very something very similar um Mm -hmm. i don't know like it's it's again it's another set of rules that that don't apply to us Right. I don't know. Anyway, so, so, so that's your that's your your Facebook layout WTF, right? No, no. That okay. well, I do want to talk about that. Yes, but that's and WTF stands for why the face, right? Exactly. Why the Facebook? Yeah. Why the Facebook? Why the Facebook? <laughs> uh, yeah. But I've told you about the app, right? It's um, Magpie, the video capturing watching. Yes, yes, app. yes. You did. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So um, yeah, I'm just I'm at the point now where I. Oh, I get it now. Magpie, right? Okay. You do. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tell me what you think the reference is. Well, the reference to magpies, aren't, aren't magpies uh, the uh, birds that like shiny things and, and yes. just collect things in their nest? Very good, yes. Yeah, Quite right. Yeah. 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 So, so like, like pocket for video then, I guess. Uh, Sorry. Yes, I, yes. Like like pocket except specifically for video. Even though yeah. pocket does handle video, um, uh, magpie is a little more streamlined in that regard. Sure, okay. Yeah, same with Instapaper for that matter. They They all handle video, but... So what is the Facebook layout at WTF while we're here? Oh, okay. Well, the point of that is that uh, Facebook launched this app called, not not Facebook, but Instagram, to be yes. most accurate. And let's, let's be accurate. Yeah. Um, and so their their layout app 
is um, an app that that takes multiple photos and lets you create uh, mosaic, uh, not mosaics, uh, collages. Yeah. So you can put a bunch of photos together, make one big photo with them all in the same photo, right? Oh, oh, like like a collage. <laughs> so. Oh, just like a like yeah, not not like one of those Darth Vader things where it's all made out of scenes of Star Wars kind of thing. You know what I mean? No, no I don't no. know what you mean, but uh, like, I don't know what those are called. But anyway, picture picture a photo composed of like three photos, with like two smaller ones on the left and one big one on the right, and it makes a square collage. Oh, okay, yes. Right, All right. right. Uh, the thing is, is that in 2012 or so, this other developer, Mike Swanson, um, published an app called Layout, right, which does exactly the same thing, right, and was a, a an editor's choice pick on the app store. Right. And he's done pretty well. Like he's an independent developer, just, you know, like like all of us. And, and then Facebook comes along with an app that does the same thing with the same name. Yes. That's where the WTF comes from. That sounds familiar. Didn't they do that before? With paper by 53. Um, Right. But the difference being that, that Facebook's paper app is Uh not a clone of the clone of the 53 paper. Right, right. Um, it just happened to have the same name. Hmm. So, WTF. Why the Facebook? Why the Facebook? I find sometimes pasting things into Google Docs doesn't work. And not so much on the desktop, but on on the uh, iDevices. There, you see that? You're right. I found the same thing, actually, Tim. Um, you know, when I uh, often when I'm pasting yeah. links into Google Docs, yeah. I'll copy it from, say, Twitter. Yep. And then I'll paste here and nothing happens. And then I paste it into a different place. Mm-hmm. No problem. And then I'll recopy it and then come back to the Google Doc and paste it. Hmm. Uh, and this, I just had to do the exact same thing to get that emoji in there. Yeah. Do you use Microsoft? Um, off, uh, nope. I don't know what stuff? Microsoft thing you're about to say, but the answer is no. Okay. Well, because I actually had a, I had a lady writing some documentation for me today or this weekend, and she shared the document with me in OneDrive. It's the first time I've actually been able to collaborate on a Word document in space. In the cloud. In the cloud. All right. Yeah. How was it? Was it good? It was actually pretty cool. It was, it was you know, interesting. I was able to go through, go through and I sat on my, on my, like I read through it as I was reading through, I got to like highlight things and comment on them. And I didn't realize I could have just edited it, but I, I wasn't going to let her to do that. So. Yeah, sure. It's her job. Uh, so this is uh, Microsoft Word in a web browser. Yeah, it was basically a Word document, and she shared it with me on her OneDrive account, and uh, yeah, so it was cool. Yeah, this is like, you know, you can do the same thing with Pages, right? Um, Apple has the whole iWork suite. In the, oh, yeah? Yeah, in iCloud.com. You ever done that? Is it? I've never, no, I've only just, I've only used Pages a handful of times, really. I use yeah. it for sheet music and stuff like that. Uh, I've got no use for word processing or spreadsheets or anything like that, but if you go to iCloud.com, you can sign in with your Apple ID, and you can use these apps Pages Keynote and, and um, Pages Numbers. Numbers. Numbers, thank you. And yeah. <laughs> uh, they are yeah. like equal citizens to their desktop and iOS counterparts. No, I didn't realize that. And is that, that's part of your iCloud account. Yeah. If you have those, if you yeah, have yeah, those yeah. apps. Yeah, and actually now, apparently, they just recently announced that you can use these apps even without... Um, like, let, let me think here. How does this go? I think you use them from Windows... And it's totally free. You just mm-hmm. sign up for you get an Apple ID. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Something new about that. So, yeah, like if you go to iCloud, go to iCloud.com, I, I, sign I, in with your as, Apple ID. As we speak, okay. I'm doing this. Cool. 
Um, and like all these apps, it's like, it's like opening up an iPhone. Yeah. And uh, um, like you go to any of these uh, office apps, go to pages and Pacific your Center. iCloud drive stuff is there. So like, yeah. I don't have much, like, it's just, I got my resume in here, yeah. but it's just like using it on the desktop. It's crazy. How would I ever do this when I've actually got the Mac apps? I don't know, but here it is. I guess if I'm on someone else's computer, but I can't fathom that ever happening. Oh, it's beta. Okay, so here, if I open my Pages yeah. account, or Pages file. Are you moving furniture, Mark? <laughs> See, it, look at this. I'm on iCloud Drive already, and it says up, update to iCloud Drive. Like, what the F? It wants you on iCloud Drive in a fierce way. But I, but I already am on iCloud Drive on all my devices and everything already. Yeah, I'm just a caveman here. I know. What is what? What up with that? Um, Let me make sure. Go to my phone. I'll tell you that one thing that's cool. Is oh, oh, you know what it is? is I use a different account on a client. That's what it is. Okay, never mind. The um, the Photos app on iCloud.com. Yeah. Uh, is actually the only way anyone not using a beta OS can access their photos. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like um, the new Photos app for OS ten, yeah, is only available oh. in the in the beta of right. Yosemite. Right. So here's here's one way that I can access those photos now. This is cool. I can't wait till that Photos app comes to Mac. Did you like my keys artwork that I did last week? Oh yeah, that was five star. Thank you. Yeah, Thank that you. was excellent. Is that T-shirt worthy? You think? Hmm. Well, how would it come out? It's because it's a photograph. Right? No, I so, mean, no, no, it's not. Actually, I oh. did. I, I started with a photograph, but my keyboard was dirty, and yeah. then uh, and, and there's nowhere. There aren't really any good spots on the keyboard where they're lined up in squares. Like I use an extended keyboard, so I, the home keys and end key and the number pad are all obviously square like that. So I actually, so I, I had trying to take the letter ones and move them. So then I, so it was, it was all looking really bad. It looked, looked like I was cloning it. So I just went into, I went in and basically turned it into, into artwork and made the black holes and then threw the keys off, offset a bit. And then I went and got the font off the web and, and superimposed the letters. Thanks. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm an artist, man. That's what I do. All and right. Then, uh, I, Aaron has, uh, uh, wanted to talk about uh, Joe Chaplinsky's, um, Chaplinsky's, okay, try again. Aaron wants to talk about Joseph Chaplinsky's um, marketing article. Stop laughing. <laughs> but you okay. can't say the man's name. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Joe's article. Yeah, I know. This Joe guy. This guy. This, yeah, this, this guy, guy named guy Joe, Joe on Joe. release notes. Him. He had wrote an article, and Aaron's going to say his name properly and talk to, about his article. Go. So call him Joe. Joe Chaplinsky, okay, okay mm-hmm. I think. Joe, if you ever listen to this, and of course it's okay, you won't. But uh, if you do, and I said it wrong, <laughs> I'm going to make sure he does. By the way, send us, send him an email. Right. <laughs> Let me know. Okay. Um, Anything else there, honey? You want to throw in on your stuff? Since it's been the Aaron Bay show most of the podcast. <laughs> Hi, I'm Aaron Bay. I like to yap and yap and yap. <laughs> oh, we just got our opener. <laughs>